Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. All right, Pats and Bills coming up on Saturday, and I cannot wait. By the way, real quickly here, before I get into greater detail with the Patriots, and if you want to weigh in on the Celtics, you certainly can as well, as they're now on a three-game winning streak, thanks to Perk motivating them. So continue to say bad stuff about Jason Tatum, and the Celtics will continue to play well. So keep doing that, Perk. Anyway, and oh, by the way, if you want to weigh in on which offensive player needs to step up, or is it Josh McDaniels for the Patriots to win on Saturday, and what do you expect Bill to do with Josh Allen? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. One thing that sticks out to me, I know like everybody went nuts about this, the fact that there's a Monday night wild card game. And cool, like we get to watch football Monday night. That's great. But you realize what a disadvantage for that team it is that they have to go on the road and or excuse me, they have to play on Monday and then the next week in all likelihood, the four and the five seed, one of those teams is going on the road for the next week. And that's where I come back. So (laughs) Brady got so lucky last year. That Not saying that he's lucky to win the Super Bowl, but the circumstances. So last year, when you look at what Brady did, he went to New Orleans and won, where, of course, because of the COVID situation, you had less fans, right? So that place only had like 3,000. And in Green Bay, they only had 8,000. And that place fits over 80,000 fans. So essentially, those two road games that Brady played, he didn't have to use the silent snap count. And Washington, who the hell cares? You didn't have to use the silent snap count if you were Brady going to New Orleans, which is always a hostile place to play. We saw it this year. He lost twice to them this season. And, of course, Green Bay, which is one of the most raucous crowds in the NFL, you didn't have the crowd noise. So Brady didn't have to deal with that. This year, he may benefit from the same thing. So my hypothetical is this. Like, when I look at this, I think that the 49ers are going to go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. Because that 49ers team is rolling at the right time. They have a nasty defensive line, and they can do so many different things offensively. I think it's really tough to game plan for that offense right now. Even though I'm not a big Jimmy guy, Debo Samuel does so many things for that team from an offensive perspective. I believe the San Francisco 49ers go into Dallas and they beat the Cowboys, and Mike McCarthy does something with the clock that screws it up. So let's go with that hypothetical. That means that the sixth seed, the 49ers would move on. And by the way, Brady got an easy matchup of the first round. The Eagles, the worst passing team in the postseason. They can run. They average 150 rushing yards per game. Here's the problem. The Buccaneers don't give up anything on the ground. Even the Patriots, who want to run the football, 
They ran it, what, eight times against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Brady gets the easiest first-round matchup for his team. His defense is going to completely dominate that game. Even if he struggles at the beginning of the game, doesn't matter. That defense, they're not going to allow the Eagles to run on them. And the Eagles can't throw. So Brady, in all likelihood, is going to get the winner, in my mind, because I believe San Francisco is beating Dallas. He's going to get the winner of the 4-5 matchup, the Cardinals and the Rams, who the Cardinals and the Rams have to play on Monday night. So Brady is going to play those teams when they're coming off a short week and they have to travel. One of those two teams is going to have to travel on the road to Tampa. Brady has it all lined up for him again to make another run to the Super Bowl. Lucky last year because of the road games, you don't have to deal with the crowd noise. And now this year, it sets up perfect for him. Best possible matchup of the Eagles. And really, the only reason he gets this matchup in the first round is because the Rams choked last week against the San Francisco 49ers. And then he gets either the Rams or the Cardinals at home in the second week of the postseason. And I know the Rams beat them earlier on the season. They're not the same team. Stafford's been an absolute mess the last month or so of the season. He was great at the beginning of the year. Remember, he's an MVP candidate. Everyone's talking about Stafford after the first month. He's the MVP. He sucked the last month. He has been bad. Did you hear he said? So there was this. I saw it on Twitter. Oh, Matt Stafford knows why he threw the interception. If you were watching that game against the Niners. He threw an interception at the end of the game. It was way underthrown. He said, yeah, I threw it short. Oh, thanks. It was supposed to be this big breakdown of why he threw the pick. Yeah, I threw it short. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Bill. Bill is in Florida tonight. Bill, what's up, man? Hey, man, what's up, man? I love this I love this show. It's, um, gosh, you are so full of stats and information, and I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, think about being a bad uh, team, being a Jaguar fan for this long is awful. But the reason why I'm calling is because Tatum, Jalen, where does it go from there? I mean, there's Marcus. We can keep Marcus. We can keep Rob. What do you think? I just want to hear what you think. I wouldn't break up Tatum and Brown at this particular point. Are you on the stance of you would like to see them getting broken up? No, I am not on okay. that stance at all. I want to see if he may can do something to make this team gel and go forward. I'll be honest with you. I mean, and again, I know you're passionate about I'm probably on the wrong show, but you know what I'm saying? I really do. This is important to me. What do we do to make it go better? Yeah, no, it's a fair question, Bill. Well, I think the first thing is this. Like, they got to acknowledge where they're at from a roster perspective because a lot of the blame gets put on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and we keep having these conversations about, oh, can they play together? Well, they can play together. They have a net rating of over five. So they're outscoring teams per 100 possessions when those two guys are on the floor by more than five points. And when you look at DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, that's one of the best teams in the NBA, the Bulls. They have a 5.8 net rating with those two guys on the floor. So those two guys are good enough. The problem is the rest of the roster. And the guy that I would look to move that has at least some value would be Marcus Smart. Whether it's a contender or something, get a younger player in here. But I do believe what they need more so than anything else, Bill, is shooting. Because when you have two wings like Tatum and Brown, who aren't natural passers, they're not natural playmakers, you need guys that can stick in the corner and shoot. And right now, they just don't have those type of players around them. Their best three-point shooter outside of those two guys is Grant Williams. That's their best shooter. And what you should be surrounding two wings with is shooting. And right now, the Celtics just don't have it. So I think that's their problem. they got to find a way to find. And I wouldn't mind the guy that I mentioned the other night, Bill, is I, Jeremy Grant has not been a great shooter the past two years in Detroit. But when he had a lesser role, when he was in Denver, he shot 39% from three his last year there. 
And remember, he's the guy that covered Kawhi Leonard in that second round season when they event or the second round series, they eventually went to the conference finals. So when he has less pressure on him and he's getting open jump shots, he can knock him down. Not to mention the Celtics, we know, are a great defensive team already. They're fifth right now in defensive rating, and they've been pretty much good all season long on that side of the ball. You'd actually strengthen that as well because Grant is an exceptional defender on the wing, and that would mean that Tatum or Brown doesn't have to cover the opposition's best wingman, if you will. So that's a guy that I would target at the deadline. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. Is the coach a liability? I love the coach. I don't love but... the coach, Bill. <laughs> I don't love him. And I would <laughs> he I, I don't know what he does well, Bill. I'll say that. I don't know okay. what he does well. No. I really don't. And sorry, we had to cut Bill off. He dropped an F-bomb. Hey, Bill, good stuff up until the F-bomb. Here's the thing. The NBA, and they're rec- Okay, so let me not spoil it. Okay, I gave away the lead. The Celtics in their last 12 games have a 4.1 net rating. So that means per 100 possessions, they're outscoring their opposition by 4.1 points. That's eighth in the NBA. So that's really good, right? Top 10 in the NBA net rating. So, whoa, that's good, right? So what should their record be? In their last 12 games, it should be like eight and four, right? Well, they're six and six. So the Hornets, they have the exact same net rating as the Celtics in their last 12 games or their last 10 games during the same time period that the Celtics have played 12. The Hornets have only played 10. So they have that same net rating at 4.1. You know what their record is? Seven and three. So they're seven and three with the same net rating as the Celtics. The Celtics are just six and six. What's the reason for that? Their fourth quarter. They have a negative 12.4 net rating in the fourth quarter. Now, they were good last night against the Pacers and the night on Monday against the Pacers and, of course, Saturday night against the New York Knicks, even though Perk thought that Tatum didn't play well. I don't know what the hell he's saying there. But anyway, getting back to the original point, how can you continue to have issues in the fourth quarter? When I look at it that, I look at that's a coaching issue, right? You have got to figure out the lineup that works in the fourth quarter. That's why I mentioned the fact they need shooting, right? Because if you look at it, when Tatum, Jalen, and Robert Williams are on the floor together this year, they outscore the opponent by nearly 13 points per 100 possessions, 12.8. No other team on the season is over 8.9, right? And if you look at the Warriors, their most used three-man unit is Curry, Green, and Wiggins. They have an 11.1 net rating. The Celtics have a 12.8 net rating with Tatum, Brown, and Williams. So it... Tatum, Jalen, and Robert Williams are not the problem. It's the periphery guys, and I would argue the coach is a problem in the fourth quarter because your team cannot suck that much in the fourth quarter without you taking some responsibility. So I would like for one time, Ime Adoka not to call out the team after the game and say, I got to figure it out in the fourth quarter. You know how Bill always goes up to the podium after they lose and maybe people in the media don't like it where he says, we got to coach better, we got to play better? You know why he does that? So he doesn't call out his players. Okay, Ime Adoka is going to stop calling out his guys. I mean, he goes to the well way too many times, and it doesn't work. When he calls him out, it doesn't respond. And I hated when after Tatum had that huge game against the Bucs, what do you have, 45 or 42? Ime Adoka had to come out and say, well, I talked to him. I told him, stop treating these guys like you're their little brother. Like, okay, so now when the team plays well, you're going to take credit for it. I mean, come on, give me a break. 617-779-7937 is the number. So if you want to weigh in in this, what do you want the Celtics to do prior to the trading deadline? That's on the table. Also, who needs to step up in this Patriots offense this week? And what do you want to see from the Patriots defense against Josh Allen? What do you expect Bill to do? Plus, 
We will get to an interesting comment made by Mike Lombardi about Brian Flores. 617-779-7937, the number, right here on WEA. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, and we are with you until midnight. Who needs to step up on this Patriots offense in order them for them to win on Saturday night? And what do you want Bill to do against Josh Allen? Also on the table, what do you want to see the Celtics do prior to the trading deadline? I believe right now they're about to go on a run. They're playing their best basketball of the year. I know that's not saying a whole lot, but their schedule really e- eases up. We're talking about Angel Food Cake in just a little bit. Now, you do play a good 76ers team on Friday night, but this schedule eases up for the Celtics, and you get the Bulls coming up as well. But in terms of if you look at the schedule, one of the softest in the league over the next five to six weeks or so. Let's get to Jacob. He's in Springfield. Jacob, what's up, man? Hey, so I have made this argument before. We obviously know Tatum's skill level and what his upside is and everything, but I personally just do not think that 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 Tatum is built to be a selfish player. I think after he had his off season with Kobe Bryant, which you would think would have done wonders for somebody. I think he got a little bit too much in his own head and he starts to, I think he starts to play a lot of hero ball and plays, you know, very isolation and for himself. And I think Jalen does the same thing too. So I think just in terms of how he is as a player, he's a little bit, I guess, quote-unquote well hey, hold on jacob so jacob hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on a second hold on a second so after he has he has he works out with kobe you know the summer that he was in the orlando bubble where this you know he let he was the best player on the celtics they went to the conference finals and he averaged 26 and 10 and five assists right when he was 21 years old so i I don't get it like what why don't you think he can be a celtic player i I don't understand because you think he's too selfish i I just think you think pierce was a playmaker no no what what i think when i say a Celtics player like i think he just he doesn't have that hard grit to him at least i don't think he does he seems a little bit soft defensively and he gets a little lazy and stuff like that he's obviously got the talent to be there i just think he might be Obviously, he is your best asset to trade if but you want. Hold on, not a trade Jacob. Hold trade. on, Jacob. Hold on. What did you think of Paul Pierce before they got Kevin Garnett, and when Paul Pierce wanted to trade out of town? Did you think Paul Pierce was built to be a great Celtic? I think he had a better. I think he was a little bit built better to be a Celtics player than Tatum. Yeah, I really do. How so? Like, what? What is the, the this makeup that you speak of? I'm trying to understand this. I I I, I feel like he. 
Paul Pierce was a very gritty guy. I just don't see that or feel that when I watch Tatum play. I just I, I think he gets a little bit down on himself at times, and I think he just can get soft, and I think that affects him. I mean, what do you mean by gritty? Because he's legitimately one of the best rebounding forwards in the league. He's a better rebounder than Pierce ever was. So I don't know, like, like the gritty yeah, re- thing. What yeah, is the gritty? Sure. But what is the gritty thing that Pierce said? Like, I just, I'm trying to understand your point. I, I'm not trying to get in a major argument. I'm just trying to understand your point about Pierce being more gritty than P- than Tatum. I don't know what it is that Pierce did. Was like now when Garnett came here, that team was a totally different story. But I'm talking about prior to Garnett. What was it that was so gritty about Pierce? I just think he had more. He, I, he, to me anyway. Um, he was way more hard nosed, I think, and just with okay. Tatum, well, listen, he, Jacob. We'll ag- hold on. We'll agree to disagree on that. But what was your other point about the deadline? Oh, I was saying that he obviously, if you obviously hypothetically, if you ever did want to move him, he's not a trade deadline guy, but he's clearly your best asset if you did want to trade him. So are you saying and you can you, get anybody you wanted? You want to trade him? I'm saying if you did, I personally, you know, I'm trying to be objective because I'm just a general basketball fan. I'm not entirely a Celtics fan, but if you wanted to trade him, he's obviously your best asset. Yeah, there's no question about that. But if you if you try if you wanted to trade Jason Tatum, you realize that the 29 other teams in the league would pick up. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you why would you do you it? Why would you trade Tatum? Who who are you trading Tatum for? Whoever you wanted, honestly. Name one guy. Like, you got to give me an example. You can't just tell me you trade him for anybody. Who? Okay, well, I mean, the one guy who I think would do it would probably be Damian Lillard. You're going to trade Tatum for Lillard. Lillard right now just had surgery on his abdomen. He's on the other side of 30, and he wasn't good this season prior to the injury. You're going to give up Tatum. Portland has not been great. Yeah, he's and Damian Lillard's been part of the problem there this year. So you're going to give up a 23-year-old small forward for a point guard over 30 when speedy point guards age poorly. They might age poorly, but a point guard is definitely what you're lacking right now. Okay, so you take Tatum and you send him to Portland. You have Lillard and Brown. You think that's like a championship-level team, the guy with the bad ab? I mean, an abdomen injury, I mean, in terms of basketball, how bad could that really be? I mean, it's pretty bad. He's having surgery. He needs surgery well, on this. It is. Yes, but I'm saying in general basketball, like looking forward, it's not an Achilles. It's not an ACL or anything like that. Okay, so you want to go. All right, fine. I mean, you want to go with the older point guy. I, I don't understand the rationale behind that to get Damian Lillard for Tatum. Now, if you wanted to entertain me, Jacob, on hey, we're going to trade Jalen Brown for Lillard, that would make more sense to me. Now, I would... It, I, it would make more sense, yes, but I just don't think, obviously, I don't think Portland would do it. I mean, that team... They might now, maybe, because yeah, they're they might desperate. now, but, yeah. I appreciate the call, man. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I seen a report the other day that said I was a selfish player. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the report. <laughs> But Damian Lillard, here's the thing. When he had his opportunity, he had one run in the postseason in his entire career. And that was against the Golden State Warriors. They made it to the conference finals. He got his ass swept by Steph Curry. And this is without Kevin Durant. Remember, Kevin Durant went down. He was injured. Eventually, he'd come back for the finals. Then he'd tear his Achilles. 
Steph Curry lit his ass up. Damian Lillard has been a really good player throughout his career, but he's now 31. Next year will be his 32-year-old season. He's coming off uh, abdomen surgery, and he's having the worst year he's had, like, in the prime of his career. Like, in his prime years, I'm not going back to, like, he was good as a rookie. But if you look at him this season, 40% from the field and 32% from three-point territory. So I would never trade Jason Tatum at this point in his career for Damian Lillard. Now, if you want to try to say, hey, the Tatum and Brown thing isn't going to work, I disagree with that. All the numbers tell you they actually play well together. Like, this is a narrative that's been formed here by the media locally. But if you actually peel back the numbers, they would tell you that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they play well together. So it's actually something that isn't true when people want to bring that up. Now, are they the perfect complement to one another? Like, for example, Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, where they just play off each other perfectly, their games mesh perfectly? No, it's not the perfect situation as it pertains to those two guys. But I'll take two wings. LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. I'm not saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are those guys, but those are two wings where their games didn't perfectly mesh right away, and they eventually figured it out. These guys are young still. They're 23 and 25. Let's get to Kevin. He is in Newton tonight. Kevin, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Good. Um, no disrespect because Damian Lillard has always been one of my favorite players, but that may be one of the stupidest traits I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're not offending I mean, me, man. I, I'm, I was a big Lillard fan. I'm a big Lillard fan. I'm a big Lillard fan, but, geez, that's, that one blew me away. Um, so, Jalen Brown, the past couple games, and I know and things could turn south very quickly. I know this team, you know, um, I know we just killed the Pacers, but you see a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, right? And imagine DeMontis Sabonis, you know, in a Boston Celtics uniform, a guy like that, a guy who's a playmaker who can shoot the ball, rebounds, he's, he's, he's unselfish. Would a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, and I'm not saying this is championship, but I feel like that if there's one thing that this team, this team needs, it's, it's a solid big man. Tristan Thompson was never going to be that guy. That's just, it was what it was. We, Allen is prime with, you know, IT and this and that. That was a great Celtic team. But well, who would you, you know, and, and, and again, it, 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 trading Jalen Brown isn't a crazy thing to say, um, or trading Marcus Smart, but what would be a legitimate trade um, for a big man? Who would the big man be? And one more thing, I'm getting a lot of talk. How come people are saying that the Dennis Schroeder thing um, doesn't really fit the par with the Celtics. If you, I, I don't know about you, but whenever I watch him, I happen to see a lot of Rajon Rondo and just a little bit of a better shooter. And then a shooter. I don't know why people are well, saying that. Well, hold not on though, work. Kevin. He's not nearly the passer that Rondo was when Rondo was like in his oh, prime. He's nowhere near that. Oh, yeah, he's, he's nowhere near well, that. And that's the issue. And he's, he's not nowhere a, near that. Yeah, and he's Swiss cheese defensively. I mean, I think that's the issue. He's not a good defender, and he's not a playmaker. I think that's the issue. Yeah, and more so anything else, Kevin. It's just I don't like the smart. Schroeder lineups together. Like if you have Tatum, I'll be, if you I'll be have honest, I'm, I'm going to say this. I love Marcus Smart's heart. I really do think so. He right, right. No, but Kevin, roll the hell down. Yeah, Kevin. My, because, my I mean, hold on, hold on a second. My point is not about yeah. Smart. My point is just you can't have that pairing on the floor together. And I think that's part of the issue that Ime Adoka's run into. At times, he's got those two guys on the floor together in the fourth quarter. That lineup should never exist. If you have Tatum or Brown on the court. You only need one of those guys on the floor, right? And ideally, only I would have my closing lineup would be right now, it would be Smart, Tatum, Brown, 
Robert Williams and Grant Williams. That's what I go with at the end of these games. No, None of the big line, too big lineup at the end of the game as well. Oh, and to your point about Sabonis, what it would cost, I would tell you this, Kevin. If I was going to make a trade for one of the Indiana big men, and I wouldn't right now, but I would prefer Turner because I think he fits the Celtics better because he can shoot threes, and he's a superior defender to Sabonis. So if I was going to trade for one of those guys, it would be Turner, not Sabonis. So who would you, who right now? So Turner, I'm, I'm I wouldn't trade for him. I'm, I mean, I wouldn't trade for him, but it probably cost you either a first round draft pick or if they like one of your young players. I mean, that's probably and you'd have to throw in a contract, obviously, to match the salaries. But that's what it cost so, you. It's not a big market for him. So aside for all the free agents that are going to be this year, who are some guys in this team that you would not like to see next year in a Celtics uniform? Um, like, all of them except- on that list. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind moving on from him, Kevin. Uh, and I appreciate the call. The reason I wouldn't mind moving on from him is because I feel like the toothpaste, you can't put it back in the tube with that guy. And it feels like at times he thinks he's on the same level as Tadman Brown and he can take all these shots. I wouldn't mind moving on from Marcus Smart. And I do feel like he's an asset where you can get something of quality back for him. And Smart feels like that would be a deal that you would do in the offseason because you could involve more teams in it. Like right now, if you're trading Marcus Smart, it's only going to be contenders that want to get involved in it. Like Detroit, I've advocated for the Celtics going after a guy like Jeremy Grant. I think he'd fit in perfectly with this team. Detroit doesn't want Marcus Smart. They want more bites at the apple in terms of draft picks or young players. So they may be enticed and say, okay, we'll eat Al Horford's contract and we'd like Neesmith or... We like Langford. I'm not saying they like those guys and they haven't shown much in the NBA, but you'd have to entice them with a young guy or a draft pick and toss Al Horford into the situation as well. And it doesn't seem like the market for Grant is there's a big market for him, but it doesn't seem like the cost is going to be overwhelming based on some of the names that are being thrown out there for him in particular. But in terms of the Celtics, I don't think they should be in on one of those big men. They don't need Sabonis and they don't need Miles Turner. That's not the type of fit you're looking for. I'm looking for another wing, and primarily a wing that can shoot. Now, Grant can do that when he's not asked to be the primary offensive player. And I just feel like for Brown and Tatum, with all they've gone through this year, with all the drama with this organization, you need to give this team a jolt at the training deadline. And Jeremy Grant would certainly do that. Now, the problem is you get got a lot of competition. A lot of teams would like to acquire Jeremy Grant. He's basically the best guy that's going to be on the market. The second best guy is Eric Gordon. That's another guy that I would be interested in because Gordon shoots the three really well. He's a good defender. He can create his own offense, and he's been a six-man in the past with the Rockets, so he knows exactly what his role is going to be if he comes to the Celtics. Those are the two guys I would be targeting, the big-name guys. Um, Another guy that I was interested in was Cam Reddish. Now, the problem for the Celtics is Reddish is already off the board. He got traded to the Knicks, and it wasn't as if Atlanta didn't like Reddish. The problem there was... They just don't have enough money in the long term. So they've already paid Trey Young. His max contract's going to kick in next season. They've already paid John Collins. They paid Bogdanovich to come over. They're paying Danilo Gallinari, and they paid Clint Capella. So that's five guys. And not to mention they paid Kevin Herter. So they legitimately don't have enough money to afford giving Cam Reddish an extension. So the Knicks took a shot at him. That's a guy that I would have loved the Celtics to go after. And if you really look at it in terms of what they gave up, to get Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks, I thought it was a really good move for them. They gave up a first-round pick, which is essentially going to be 20th this year in terms of where it's at right now. It's via Charlotte, so it's going to be about the 20th pick in the draft. That's essentially all they gave up, and Kevin Knox, who they didn't want. Kevin Knox sucks. He doesn't play. And you get a guy, you take a shot on a lottery pick from two years ago. I mean, that's a deal that I would have been all in on if I was the Celtics. If 
I know that's the cost. All it costs you is, a, it, not to mention, it's a protected first-round pick, so it's not a lottery pick. Right now, it's 20th. So a first-round pick for a guy that has high upside. He's had some really good games for them this year. Not to mention, he's a wing that shoots 38% from three. I don't know why the Celtics were not more interested in him. Oh, Okay, by the way, I did want to switch gears for a second here. So the big news today in the NFL is David Culley is fired after one season. Thanks for showing up. Now, Justin, you saw this. He's going to still make about $17 million out of the $22 million. Yes, so they owe him $22 million. He's still going to get seventeen over the course of the next two years. So, I mean, I can't feel too bad for the guy. So he's still getting seventeen out of that $22 million. It does suck that essentially it felt like he was a mercenary, right? He was Nobody wanted that job. Coley took it, and his reward for taking it is they're going to replace him. So he gets fired today, and all the reporting is they're interested in basically everybody that is a tie to the Patriots. Schefter reports that the leading candidate for the job is Gerard Mayo, and the other two guys that they're interested in, Brian Flores and Josh McDaniels. Before we go any further, they may want to think twice about Brian Flores because here was Mike Lombardi today on his podcast talking about Brian Flores' interactions with Tua. The Miami question for me is, which I think they're going to find out if people are honest in the interview, right? Like a lot of people are never honest in the interview. They tell the owners what they want to hear. They tell the GMs what they want to hear. But if if you're really honest, are you going to sit there and say, I can build a team around Tua? Because that's what Ross wants to hear. That's what Brian Flores wouldn't say. I mean, we've we've seen all the conversations that Flores basically was, you know, had with Tua where Flores told two at halftime of the Tennessee game, this has all been reported. I mean, look, I don't think Flores was shy about telling him, hey, I should have picked Mac Jones. I mean, I don't think he was shy about telling him that. In fact, I know that he wasn't. You know, I remember I said there was commentary between the head coach and and Tua during the season, and I wouldn't reveal what the conversation was. Well, the conversation was, hey, I sh- if I knew you were going to be this bad, I would have picked Tua. I would have picked Mac Jones. That's the conversation. So, you know, I don't think there was any. So the next guy come in, if Flores felt that way, how is the next guy going to come in and fix it? You say, well, they're going to run an offense that suits what Tua does. They are running an offense that suits what Tua does. It's the only offense you can run. It's the only one you can run. You got to run an RPO where he can throw little passes and run after the catch. Okay, so first things first, why can't he say Brian Flores' name? Why is that such a difficult name for Mike Lombardi to say? What's he say Flores instead of Flores? I, I don't know why that's so difficult for him to say. Here's the thing that I'll say about that, though. Everybody's making such a big deal, and Mike Lombardi ended up backing down on what he said. He tweets out, like, after that today, I misspoke on the pod, and those were my words, not Flores's. So he's saying that actually Brian Flores didn't say that. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Obviously, you got this information from somebody, or you just made it up, which would be worse. But I don't understand how you could say you just misspoke on the pod. That's what you were saying, not Brian Flores. So you Flores. Said, <laughs> yeah, he can't say his name. So Flores, in the words of Mike Lombardi, told Tua that he should have drafted Mac Jones. And then Flores, and then he said on Twitter after Mike Lombardi said, no, I, he didn't actually say that I did. Why would it matter if you said it? You're not involved with the team. So now you're just making something up that Brian Flores may have said? I don't understand what he's talking about. And here's the other thing I'll point out. Everybody's, like, going nuts about this today. Like, obviously, the relationship between Flores 
and Tua wasn't good. The relationship between Flores and Greer wasn't good. And look, maybe that's something that you need to address when you go for these job interviews. Like, that's something I would be asking. But Flores, the reporting was he wanted Herbert. So if he wanted Herbert, he was clearly right about that. But nonetheless, let's just get back to this for a second. I feel like this is getting completely overblown, where he's telling Tua that he should have drafted Mac Jones. I don't feel like that's that big of a deal. What I feel like that is, is more so than anything else, and maybe you could say, well, it's a little crazy for him to do it this way. I feel like it's motivation. Like, he's trying to motivate Tua by belittling him, right? Saying, hey, I should have drafted Mac because you're not good. Like, trying to motivate the guy to get better. I don't think it's like this big, unbelievable, bad thing for Flores. I don't think this makes Flores look bad. I think he was just trying to motivate the player, and he's probably pissed off at the performance he was getting from Tua. So he's trying to kick him in the ass in some way, shape, or form. So I don't really have an issue with what Flores or Flores as Flores. Mike Lombardi likes to say. Why can't he say that name? Is it that difficult? I don't understand it. He can't say Janu Smith's name either. Janu, he calls him. So anyway, by the way, Lombardi's on with Lou and Christian tomorrow, so maybe they'll ask him what what exactly happened. Why did you say that Flores was saying this, and then you said on Twitter those are your your words? I believe it's a true story that Lombardi said, and then somebody told him, hey, you got to clean this up, so he laid on his sword, so to speak. But anyway, I don't think it's a big deal for Flores. But I will get into... Is this a good job for Gerard Mayo or Josh McDaniels or Brian Flores? We'll get into that next. Plus, a very interesting comment regarding Robert Kraft from an NFL player. We'll do that next here in EI. Flores. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, welcome back in. So I wanted to get to this. And by the way, if you want to weigh in on the Patriots, who needs to step up on this offense, and how do they slow Josh Allen? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. I found this interesting. So this is from the I Am Athlete podcast. This is LaShawn McCoy talking about an interaction he had with Robert Kraft. Fourth of July, right? Mike Rubin had a, a, um, a party, right? I went, my brother went, all these rich people, all these real, real rich people, like, we rich, they like real rich, billionaire dudes. There's wealth. There's wealth. Crazy money. My man was there. Who's uh, your man? Kraft. Kraft and my man. Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft the owner Kraft of the and my New man, England And, and uh, Mike Rubin, they super tight. Right. Knowing who I am, I, I had to ask. <laughs> Listen, bro. You, you got look, messy? Look, we, we, he, he was drinking like, well, he wasn't drinking like you were drinking. Because he drank a little bit. Not like you, but just. Come on, so man. I said, I said, um, <laughs> I said, hey, Mr. Kraft, how you doing? You know what I mean? A little small talk. Let's get to the let's get to the serious thing, right? What's going on? Cut the small talk. What happened with the Brady thing? How you let Tommy leave? Look, look he's like this. Oh, I love Tommy. This and that, all that. I'm mad he left. I told Bill, damn it, because he won a championship. Like, damn it, you let Tom win a championship. It's time for you to win one. Like, yeah, he's out the gate. What you gonna do? He'll never win another championship ever again. That is dead. Dead. Okay, so. First things first, I do find it funny when he says, we're rich, they're real rich. Talking about Michael Rubin, who I believe is the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, if I'm not mistaken. So, first of all, 
or second of all, because I already said first of all. Second of all, I believe his story, LaShawn McCoy's story, that he went up to Robert Kraft and Robert Kraft was pissed and he, and I don't know if he told Bill this, but I'm sure he feels that way. And hence what happened during free agency when he spent all that money. Like that's got to irritate Robert Kraft that the season he lets Brady go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he wins the Super Bowl. So I'm sure that's true in terms of how Robert Kraft feels. Now, I don't know if he had the balls to actually go to Bill and say that. But I do think that what he was addressing to LaShawn McCoy, what LaShawn McCoy is saying on that podcast, I believe that's true, that Robert Kraft actually did say that. Now, I don't believe that he actually said that to Bill, but I believe he feels that way, and he did say that to LaShawn McCoy. I don't think LaShawn McCoy is making up the interaction, so to speak, that he had with Robert Kraft. But here's the thing that continues to irritate me about this story. Not in terms of what LaShawn McCoy said, but what Robert Kraft said. This could not irritate me more. Robert Kraft takes no responsibility whatsoever for Brady leaving. And it's just so annoying to me where it feels like he thinks he can just get off scot-free, and he has. Most of the fan base blames Bill for this. Like, the pro-Brady people blame Bill. They don't blame Robert Kraft at all. Okay, so if the hypothetical is you out there think that the Patriots should have never let Brady go, why don't you blame Kraft at all? I'm still wondering. I don't get it. So Robert Kraft, right after the decision comes down where Brady announces he's leaving the Patriots, because remember, first there was the note that he was leaving the team, and then eventually he says he's going to Tampa, right? So first things first, when he says that he's no longer a Patriot, Robert Kraft calls up Stephen A. Smith during a commercial break on first take and tells Stephen A. Smith, that, hey, it was Tom that wanted to leave. So that was his first thing, right? His first thing was he was trying to blame Tom, okay? So he's trying to say, well, this is Tom's idea. Tom wanted to leave. We wanted to keep him here, but Tom didn't want to be here anymore. So that's the first thing he does. And then he doesn't back Bill after that. Now he's saying to LaShawn McCoy that he told he loves Tom and that now Bill needs to win one. Wait, hold on. You decided on Bill. Robert Kraft ultimately made the decision to side with Bill Belichick. Well, because, I'm rooting for Tom Brady. Yeah, he's rooting for Tom Brady, which he clearly was. He did, he did not want Tom to win that Super Bowl, bottom line. But anyway, getting back to the original point as it pertains to Robert Kraft, he bet on the long game with Bill. He said, oh, yeah, you know what? I mean, this is clearly what he thought. Brady has two to three years left, maybe, maybe less than that. Maybe he thought one to two years. So I'm going to side with Bill. I'm going to play the long game. But the problem is when you play the long game like that and you support Bill, you have to back him. You can't come out there and have this crap getting out there that you're telling LaShawn McCoy. And you can't say prior to the season that I hope we're good because we spent a whole lot of money. You can't be saying stuff like that. He takes no responsibility whatsoever for for Tom Brady leaving the organization, and that pisses me off. Uh, real quickly, just getting back to the Flores Mayo thing. If I was Gerard Mayo, I get it. Like It's enticing the first job that you would be offered as an NFL head coach. But you got to figure out how much power you actually have with Nick Casario there and what is the long-term outlook with the quarterback position and how long do you have, right? Because that Texans roster right now, it's a complete debacle. They do not have a lot of good young players. Despite the fact that they suck, they don't have a lot of young good players. So you got to figure out what the window is for you. Are you going to get time? The last guy just got a year. Now, obviously, a Patriot going to coach under Casario would get a longer rope, but you got to figure out, just how long the rebuilding process is going to be. And then secondarily, something that came to mind when I saw this today, 
Do you think there's a chance? Now, I know that Deshaun Watson's main issue is with the ownership group there. But is there a chance Flores wanted Deshaun Watson in Miami? Or I should say Deshaun Watson wanted to play for Flores in Miami. Gerard Mayo apparently has a really good personality, really big personality. Guys like him. So is there a chance, I'm wondering, if Gerard Mayo gets this job, that he tries to recruit Deshaun Watson back to play for the Houston Texans? Because if you can get Deshaun Watson back, well, then that job becomes arguably the best job out there on the market. I know the Texans have their issues, but if you have when healthy, when on the field, I shouldn't even say when healthy, when he can actually play because he's dealing with this, and we'll see what happens because there's still a legal situation to go along with the civil suits. But when he can actually be on the football field, that's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you actually have an opportunity where you could go in there and actually convince Deshaun Watson to go back to the Texans, then you got a real big opportunity. And even if you don't, if this is going to be a long rebuild, you're going to get multiple first-round picks for Deshaun Watson if we find out the legal situation and all that gets cleared up. So if I'm Gerard Mayo, i got to figure out all those things up before I leave the Patriots. But I will say this, that Vrabel mold of the leader in the locker room, assistant coach, it does seem like it's an enticing proposition for these teams to go after Mayo. Thanks to Justin for producing. Have a great night. Everybody be safe and be well. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.